What's up, golf fans? My name is Lucas Wees, host of the Wee Sports Chronicles podcast. It's day three of the Masters. We're one day away from the 2020 Masters getting underway. And, and again, another busy day filled with a lot of headlines and stories. Tuesday, of course, produced an epic highlight. If you haven't seen John Rahm's hole-in-one from the par 316th, it truly is one for the history books. Of course, it doesn't matter because it's during a practice round, but the Spaniard skipped the ball over the water. It landed on the green, and well, it landed in the hole. Truly a remarkable hole-in-one. I really recommend you watch that uh, for your own viewing purposes. The champion's dinner took place. Tiger Woods, being the defending champion, was the host, and he had a mixture of steak with some sashimi and sushi. It was uh, quite an eclectic dinner as several of the former champions gathered for the normal champions dinner. Even though it's been such a abnormal year, 2020, some traditions uh, remain constant. The champions dinner being one of them. Normally Wednesday is reserved for the par 3 contest, but again cancelled this year because no patrons in attendance at the 2020 Masters. As for episode 77 today, I am pleased to be joined by Bob Weeks. Bob is a senior reporter and golf analyst for TSN Sports, one of the rights holders of the Masters, the main rights holder of the Masters in Canada. In the episode, Bob and I have a wide-ranging conversation about his experiences covering the Masters, the historic 2003 Masters where Mike Weir became the first Canadian to not only win a major championship, but the Masters. We digged a little deeper into the storylines of this year's Masters, as well as the four Canadians in the field. And Bob takes us through sort of his approach to covering a major championship for TSN and and the various responsibilities that go along with that. So if you're really interested in broadcasting and production, this episode is for you. It ends, of course, with some great stories of Bob and and the TSN crew at uh, the house that they rent each and every year at Augusta National, as well as uh, a Joe Carter reference. So make sure to stay tuned for that. As always, the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now, without further ado, let's get to episode 77 with Bob Weeks of TSN on this Masters-themed edition of the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast. All right, as I said off the top, if you've watched golf in Canada, if you watch golf on TV in Canada, if you've read about golf in Canada, you've probably come across Bob Weeks. He is the senior golf analyst and senior reporter at TSN, and he's kind enough to join me this this week on the Masters themed edition of the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Bob, thank you so much for joining me. I'm honored to be on here with you, Lucas. I'm a big fan of yours as well, so huh. it's good. Thank you so much. Well, listen, um, we're, we're recording this episode a week before uh, you you were heading down to the Masters, and I've had a lot of sports media guests on the show, and and they've talked about how just strange and unprecedented a year this has been. For you, I know that you've been in one place here in Canada since March. So 
what's this going to be like for you to get to travel down to this really historic masters unlike any other uh i mean it's going to be um i don't know the best way to describe it it's going to be interesting it's going to be a new feeling a new experience um you know ts has taken huge precautions mm. to get us down there safely uh they've kind of created our own bubble and we're very limited in what we're allowed to do where we're allowed to go uh it's just really the golf course and the house <laughs> that we're staying in if we're at the golf course you have to wear your mask unless you're broadcasting uh there's limits as to you know how many people can go in one spot or whatever and so it, it, it's going to be a very interesting it's going to be a very different masters i think we all know that <laughs> um i've talked to a number of the players over the last week or so and the the whole concept of playing here without any fans um you know webb simpson had it best in an interview i did with him he said you know this this is probably the one golf tournament that's defined more by the, the fans or the patrons i should say <laughs> than anywhere else so that'll be different um and i think we're all just kind of wondering what it's going to be like and, and how we're going to cover it because even covering it will be a different experience from from a journalism standpoint than, than traditionally well let's get to that covering it differently because i know that you've been covering some of the major championships that have occurred this year from home the pga and the u.s open virtually but now that you're there live how is it going to be different than just your normal master's experience well, um, I think the first thing is we are, um, we're not going to be able to kind of just go up and, and interview the Canadian players, which mm -hmm. is one of the things that I know our viewers on TSN really look forward to because you don't necessarily hear from Adam Hadwin or Corey Connors or Nick Taylor or Mike Weir when you're watching CBS. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that, and we're sort of restricted in how we're going to be able to do that. And we're trying to work around it a little bit and get them on Skype from their house and our house in Augusta, which is, seems odd. Um, but uh, the other part of it will be that with no fans, we are still allowed on the golf course. So going to watch, say, Tiger Woods coming down the 18th hole on Sunday, normally you can't get close to the place, and there'll be maybe 100 people around there, I guess, if you add in all the media and the other people who are allowed to go. So there'll be, from that respect, there'll be a lot of differences. There'll be a lot of adjustments, I'm sure, being made. We're going to be, we have a set that's actually over on mm. the par three course, will um, be at uh, quite a lengthy time although we're not on air a lot of times we kind of bounce around with the different feeds on tsn and we pop in for two or three minutes here and and we sit down for half an hour and you pop in somewhere else so um it's a that is what we we're sort of used to that part of it um but what it's going to feel like what it's going to look like uh those are things i don't think we'll be able to understand until until we get there and and, uh, and have a go at it. Yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, the Masters is normally held in its April time slot. I think this is the third time ever in Masters history it's not in April. So that's strange, number one, in terms of how the golf course is going to be played. But then the fact that there's no patrons, and I think for the golfers, they've certainly experienced that this year at major championships. But this is the Masters where you can, you know, play on the 13th hole and hear what's going down on 15 through the roars of Augusta. So I just think all those things, I guess are going to affect the golfers and just how they play and how they focus on tournament time. Pretty much all the golfers that I've talked to or been in press conferences with have said that, you know, this is the tournament where you can really feed off the, the excitement of the fans and the patrons. I keep calling them fans, the patrons more than 
anywhere else. This is the place where, um, you know, the scoreboards are not electronic. They're, they're hand manually changed uh, by, by volunteers. So it takes a little time for things to get posted. But, um, you know, Mike, we were always saying, you know, a Jack Nicholas cheer, you know, a Tiger Woods cheer. And essentially before you tee off, you kind of know where they're going to be in relation to where you are on the golf course. So if you hear a cheer out of your left ear, at a certain point, you know, that's probably Tiger making an eagle on 13. Um, so for the players, it's, it's uh, going to be sort of a double-edged story because you won't know really what's going on at the spur of the moment. And you won't be able to feed off the emotion that the fans deliver to you. And I know that some of the golfers have mentioned in press conferences, like a Tiger, like a Rory, just saying how the lack of fans, let's say, coming down the stretch on a Sunday at a major sort of affects them just because they're used to the galleries following them all over the place. Which then I think may play into players that may have not been there before. And we saw that with Colin Morikawa at the PGA and Bryson DeChambeau where obviously deserved winners but you don't sort of know what they would have affected by if there were fans following them or heckling them on, on, on Sunday. So it's it's really interesting, I think, just in terms of how the lack of fans and patrons, as we call them at the Masters, affects these golfers in those pressure cooker moments. Yeah, and, uh, and in some cases, as you, as you say, it could be a benefit to them. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so uh, I had a long talk with Nick Taylor and, and you know, he was all excited when he won at Pebble Beach, realizing he was finally going to get to go to the Masters. And then he said, well, then there's no par three contest. There's not going to be any patrons. He said, there's so many of the things that you look forward to and you read about. Uh, but on the other side, he did say, you know, this is this is going to be the experience that I know. So, uh, so maybe there's some sort of a benefit to that. And maybe as a first-timer, you know, we know that it uh, hasn't been done since 1979 when Fuzzy Zeller was mm-hmm. a first-timer and won. Maybe it will be time for one of those guys like Nick Taylor or Colin Morikawa to uh, to get the green jacket in their first go around Augusta National. You mentioned how TSN has a set on the par three course. Are you bringing is TSN bringing the same number of people down, or will it be fewer people on the set? So from that perspective, will it be a bit different? We have, uh, I think, one less person than we would normally okay. have. So our crew, our on-air crew is myself and James Duffy, of course, yep. is the host, and Graham Dillette is going to be our analyst. Uh, we have two cameramen, two producers, a production manager, and then we do have <laughs> we do have two uh, bus drivers. Okay. Uh, we are going back and forth in a, in a big mobile bus. Uh, we felt that was the safest way to keep everybody together and keep everybody um, sort of... <laughs> homogenized uh, hermetically sealed inside that bus and don't have to worry about something going on in the bus we've been uh taking lots of covid tests to get there we'll have a co you know there's covid tests before you get on the property um and every seven days i think you have to have another one so um you know it's pretty secure but uh but that's uh, our crew is looking forward to it and i think we realize that you know there may be some backlash about going down to the location to cover this tournament during a pandemic um, we don't know the political situation as well. Civil unrest is something that may spike up as well. So lots of lots of uh, nerves, I think, from the broadcast crew going down there. Um, but lots of anticipation of covering what will be something, a very unique event and delivering it to golf fans. And I think at that time of year, outside of NFL football, uh, there's not much else to watch, maybe college football, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, a big audience for, for Canadian golf. 
Well, I think it's going to be fascinating because I think just the whole ratings discussion in general this year in sports, because a lot of the events that have been put in different time slots, there's no comparison. So the NBA Finals ratings might be down, but there's no comparison because it's normally held in June. So it's going to be interesting here for the Masters. And I think that they're certainly going to be held earlier than normal just because of the time daylight savings and the time slot with the NFL. So... But I do think that because it's the Masters, and I think for a lot of golf fans, they just, regardless of when it's happening, I think there's a real connection to this tournament. People know about it. They love the the traditions, the memories. And I think there's also a lot of interest this year in terms of storylines, which will produce hopefully a really good tournament. Yeah, there's uh, there's certainly a lot of great storylines. I mean, we've got four Canadians in the field, which equals the most we've we've ever had the last time we had four was 1965 i mean you've got uh, you've got brooks kepka and and what he's doing with the golf ball you've got dustin johnson trying to uh, continue on his hot roll although coming back from a little shutdown with covid where he spent mm-hmm. 11 days in a hotel room and uh, <laughs> didn't do anything except binge watch um you've got the whole story about the, the town or the city of augusta as well mm-hmm. which normally becomes a, just a, a crazy place um, financially, it's a huge windfall for them. There's 200,000 people, I think, that live in Augusta, and it's it's a multi-million dollar event. People rent out their homes. Uh, a lot of the restaurants and bars will do, you know, I've heard as much as a quarter of their year's revenue mm. uh, in that one week. So it's going to be very quiet as well in that respect. But um, uh, the storylines are are a plenty, and that's uh, that makes our job uh, easy to do. You mentioned how there's four. Canadians in the field, uh, including Mike Weir. You, you recently released a piece on, on Mike Weir, who was the 2003 Masters champion, and he's been playing great golf on the Champions Tour. And Bob, I mean, that 2003 Masters, so many Canadians remember, and it was such an amazing moment. I'm just curious, as you look back, you know, now it's crazy to think it's been 17 years. What do you, what do you remember most about that day and, and just how that moment is? transcended golf in this country in, in so many different ways. So the, the my normal practice, this will be my 25th Masters, and, and my normal practice on Sunday was to walk around um, with the leader, lead groups on, on the front nine and then, believe it or not, go into the media center and watch it on TV because there were so many changes. You couldn't be in all yeah. places at all the time. So in order to tell the story, you had to go and watch it on television, which sounds, I know, strange to some people who have never been to Augusta, but... <laughs> That's what we did. And that year, Mike, you know, Mike came in there playing very well. He'd won two tournaments already. And we had a sense that maybe something special was happening. So I, my, myself and Rod Black, and for this, for some reason, I don't know why he was there and why he was with us, but Paul Coffey, the great oh, yeah. defenseman, the three of us walked around all 18 holes. And I can just remember that putt on 18 to get into the playoff. And then we walked down to, to watch the playoff. And then it was... There was sort of a balance between, uh, wow, this is this is so amazing for Mike, who I had covered since he was an amateur golfer, yeah. to the next momentarily later saying, wow, we got a big job to do. And so, <laughs> you know, we raced back and we got our shells set up and we uh, had all sorts of things to do. I can remember the, the press conference was delayed because Mike was talking to the prime minister, who I believe was Jean Chrétien yep. at that time. <laughs> and and I even going through that, that craziness of it all, and it, it was extended after what – you know, when you win the Masters, essentially, the first thing you do is you go down to the butler cabin, you get the green jacket on. Yep. 
Then you come down to the press room and you do a little press. No, sorry. Then you go to an outdoor ceremony on the putting green generally, yep. and they have uh, a public presentation. Then you come down to the press room. Then, believe it or not, you go and have dinner with the members, and you sit in the main dining room with your green jacket, and you go and have dinner with them. And then after that, there are one-on-one -on -one interviews with select media. And because it was a Canadian, obviously, who won, we got a one-on-one, -on -one, and Rod Black did that at that time. Um, and, and so it was probably about 11 o'clock when everything was finally wrapped up. And a few of us were in the clubhouse at Augusta National. The, the guys let us in. <laughs> and Mike came out and got some beer. And everybody was just – at that point, it became less about just media than it was just friends. And there's maybe mm -hmm. 10 of us around there. Um, and just seeing him in that jacket and, and watching him and realizing, wow, this guy's gone a long way in such a short period of time. But a lot of hard work uh, was a kind of a cool moment. And then I don't know if we ever ex sort of understood the huge impact back home mm -hmm. until we flew home the next day and landed in the airport. And it was like everybody was talking about it. It was everywhere on every newspaper and uh, back when newspapers were still yep. being sold and uh, every newscast everywhere. And uh, it kind of went crazy from that day as well. So um, it was a uh, it was kind of a remarkable moment, probably the highlight of, of my career for sure. Yeah, and like I think that's such a great answer, and I really appreciated how you know you're you're working in that moment as a journalist. So you, you don't really get the sense to appreciate what this moment means to you, means to golf, means to Canada until a few hours after. And I guess that's normal for many journalists. I mean, like you look at last year, Tiger Woods winning. A lot of the American journalists are just you know busy trying to write a story, and they don't really doesn't sink in yet just how big these moments are but a few days you know weeks after you can de definitely i'm sure appreciate what it meant it's you know it's it's tough to be uh, a sport like golf where there's not a lot of canadians at a world-class level mm -hmm. and you're out there covering them all you can't help but become friends with them yeah become close with them and i think you know that might cross journalistic boundaries per se um in case you had to crit criticize them or something or call them out on something um, but for, in most cases, for all the guys who are on the PGA Tour right now, including Mike Weir, I covered them all as, mm -hmm. as amateur golfers and in some cases as junior golfers. And so you grow up and you become uh, attached to them and they become friends with you. And so it's a sort of a small group. And when you have someone who does something special like that and wins uh, you know, a life-changing moment, it's, um, you have to put your journalist hat on. But at the end of it, you can kind of take it off and, and celebrate as well. Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, and Nick Taylor are in the field for the Masters. And I'm just curious, Bob, from speaking to them, what's their preparation been like? Because it's, it's such a strange year and in such a strange time zone that I'm sure the peaking process for them to get ready for a major has just been so different and they've had to adjust. Yeah, each guy has a different process. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Nick Taylor has probably been the one who has... Um, I don't want to say underperform, but he's hasn't been quite as driven. I don't think about certain about getting back out here after the pandemic, after the start, uh, the restart. You know, he took some more time. He has a young son. He took some more time at home. Um, Adam and Corey played a little bit more, and and Mac Hughes is probably mm -hmm. the guy who played the best of them all. Um, just kept rolling along. <clears throat> it was interesting though. You know, I talked to Mike um, and before the I guess last week, and he said. Uh, I said, are you going to give these guys, you know, your, your wisdom about Augusta national? Cause they're going to, they're, they're playing a practice round together. And he said, you know, these guys come in now, they are so well prepared. Uh, there's so much analytics. There's so much information out there that 
you know, they could put together their own game plan. I'm happy to help them out if they want to ask, but I'm not going to force my opinion on them. And that's true about these guys now. You know, there are so many ways to get prepared for a golf tournament, and everybody has to kind of figure out what's right for them going into a major. Do I play the week before or do I take it off? Um, do I play three practice rounds or do I play one practice round and then two nines? Um, everybody kind of finds something that works for them or tries to find something. And then, and then you try to perhaps also sort of shut out the, uh, the noise in terms of what's going on at a major championship and realize this is, yes, it's still just a golf tournament. Um, it is a major, it's a big week, but you can't overthink it and overdo it, um, which is what most young players do when they come into something like this for the first time. No doubt, and 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 I think this year is just again just another year of growth for for golf in Canada. I mean, Nick Taylor winning at Pebble Beach, and Mackenzie Hughes after the pause doing so well, making it to the Tour Championship in East Lake. And I just think that these last few years, you're just seeing a lot more Canadians, you know, rise to the top, you know, leaderboards of tournaments, and they also have that inner confidence that they believe that they belong with these, you know, some of the best. And I think that's just great for golf in this country. And, and hopefully it continues. Yeah. And to kind of wrap this around a little bit, um, we did a little surprise birthday, 50th birthday party for Mike. Weir. Mm-hmm. We got all the Canadians who kind of come up behind him on the phone and on a zoom call actually. And, <laughs> and basically every one of them said that watching Mike win the masters was was so instrumental in all their careers. Graham Dillette just said, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if you hadn't won the Masters. So it kind of brings it full circle to an extent. But all those guys now, you know, it's it's they're they're feeding off each other. Um, nobody wants to be the the low Canadian in, in a fun way. They all want to <laughs> beat the other guys, and they all want to they all want to play well, and they all do feel like they belong now. They're all out the primes of their career. Um, they're, they're fighting hard to try and, you know, get world ranking points, get those two Olympic spots, which will be a huge story mm-hmm. leading into into next season. Um, because we thought it was all wrapped up with Adam and Corey. Well, nope, not anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got a bunch of guys trying to get those two spots. So um, it's it's good that they're feeding off each other. It's good that they're helping each other. And it's good that they're challenging each other. And it's it's easily in my 30-plus years, whatever, covering Canadian golf, this is, this is the best time that we've ever had in terms of depth of quality. You mentioned earlier, Bob, how you're going to be when you're at the Masters doing a lot of you know interviews via Skype and, and whatnot. I'm just curious what Augusta National is doing in terms of allowing media in the media center, or are you just going to be separate from that with the TSN team? So there's, there's two areas um, involved in this. For us, there's an international broadcast center, mm. uh, which is over way over behind the par three course on, on the far, I don't know, I can't remember my, I don't have my directions, but I would say it's the far uh, eastern part of the property. The media center, which they just built two years ago, and it looks like a Four Seasons hotel. It's unbelievable. How, I've never seen a media center anything like this anywhere. And it's over on the other side of the property, and that's where most of the print journalists are. That's where the, uh, the press room is, where the interviews will take place, where they bring them over. And then traditionally in the in the middle of between those two prop pieces of, of, of those two structures is the, the main clubhouse and a lot of times players will come off there and there's a little kind of a, a gathering area where you can go if you're international media you can grab we could say okay well we want mike weir to come over and he would come over and we'd get two questions with him so this year that's just going to be a pool camera so mm-hmm. if adam hadman finishes and shoots 62 the first day 
um, well, let's say not say 62 because you go in the media center if he did that, but if he's in hunt, let's say he shoots 68, we want to get a couple of questions with him. We will now have to ask this cool camera, uh, could you get Adam Hadwin and could you ask him these two questions? They'll record it. And then back in the International Broadcast Center, we have to download that from a, I don't know, from some kind of feed. And then that's what we can use uh, on terms of our, let's say, put it on Sports Center afterwards. So it's a little more labor intensive. And there's also the possibility that we might miss a guy. We might miss Adam coming off the golf course because Tiger came off just before him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the scrums will be limited. The access in the media center will be uh, somewhat limited in terms of numbers of people who are there, but they will try to bring players in. And then, uh, and then for us, as I said, to try and get those guys, you know, one-on-one, we, we've set up these, we sort of reached out to them all and said, would you mind Skyping from your house after the mm-hmm. round is over? And they've all been pretty good about that. So it's, it's definitely a little bit different. No doubt. And I think the fact that it goes back to you building relationships with the Canadian golfers, it helps during these times. And I think that a lot of my guests that have come on this podcast have said just the adjustment of having to tell stories and try to report through a computer, through a phone. It certainly doesn't compare it to the one-on-one human interaction. But the fact that you have these prior relationships already that you can just text someone and say, hey, go on a Skype call, we're going to do a story, it must certainly help you in, in, in a tournament week like this. Yeah, it's it's uh it's going to be a week where we're going to burn up the Rolodex for sure. Contact <laughs> people and and ask them for their for a little bit of help. And I think you know they understand it, which is great. Um, I haven't I haven't been turned down for an interview by Canadian guys or some of the other guys that I know um, out there, the non-Canadian guys who've been very generous with their time. And I think they understand that part of it too. That it's a it goes both ways. It's a quid pro quo, I guess. And in certain ways. Um, but the relationships for any journalist, you know, a relationship is, is really what makes you, uh, what can make you a great journalist in terms of building that relationship and, and the trust factor to me, all those guys that I know, I hope trust me to be fair, to tell a good story and, and to also help them out in terms of exposure. Uh, cause they know it's a big network with TSN, but it's not so much the bigger, the small network, cause you can be a, a small player, a medium player, a big player, if they trust you, they're more likely to to let their guard down and tell you the, the, the big story. It's the Asante Wealth Management commercials, Bob. Let's be honest. The, why they're talking to you. Just just kidding. Um, but, um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, going back to just covering golf in like a tournament week. And I think some of my listeners may, you know, know, okay, if you're covering a hockey game, it's it's one game and, and that's it, and you go on to the next game. But for golf, you're there a whole week, and I think it provides a lot of unique opportunities to tell some unique stories. I know this year is so different, but maybe if you wouldn't provide just the listeners just sort of an insight into what a week looks like at a major, just in terms of the pre-tournament responsibilities and then going forward for the four days? So generally speaking, we're there for nine days. We would come in on the Sunday, uh, which is what we're doing this year, and you hit the ground Monday, and you are, you know, there's a little bit of a routine, I would say, the last little while where, generally speaking, you know that Tiger Woods is, is going to have a press conference on Tuesday, so mm-hmm. we're going to do a Tiger Woods story on Tuesday. Um, but Monday, Wednesday, and even when Tiger's not talking, you know, a lot of times you're just wandering around the golf course, you're chatting with people, you might get a nugget here, you uh, talk with some of the players, 
maybe you get something about what they've seen on the course uh, or how their game is or some other kind of element that might not just be a um, out there already and, and you get scoops every once in a while that happen but generally you're just sort of surveying the land and and watching players and seeing if they're on form or hearing if they're on form um, and then you also use the press conferences we don't go in necessarily with an agenda to say okay mm. this is what we're going to do on this day sometimes the story finds you and you have to kind of create a story um, but generally speaking one of the three first three days is done on the canadian players who are in the field tuesday is generally on a tiger woods story and then wednesday might be something to do with the tournament the course uh, in this case it's probably going to be something to do with bryson DeChambeau. Mm. It could be dustin johnson whatever the main story is going that time and then once the tournament starts, it's a lot about following the ball. And um, I've always had, when people ask me, you know, what's the best part about covering golf? And I say the two best things are they don't usually have golf tournaments in, in rotten places. You know, we're not going to Rouen, Miranda, uh, or anything like that for a golf tournament. It's usually at a nice resort or nice weather. And the second thing is there's no night games. You know, your day is done, generally speaking, around 7 o'clock. Uh, there are early days and there are long days because mm. you will – Generally speaking, uh, the week of the Masters, um, you know, we'll be at the golf course between 6.30 and 7 a.m. And we'll probably get home between 7 and 8 p.m., depending on the day and, and what's going on that day. It's, and it's not like you're digging ditches or, or breaking rocks for that entire period. You're sort of waiting around a lot. Um, but they are long days and they are intense. They can be intensive moments in the days, uh, especially, for instance, if, if Mike Weir wins or something <laughs> like that happens or Tiger wins his 15th major. Uh, everyone starts to scramble to put together the story. So that's kind of what a week is like at a major. And um, up until this year, I had done, I think, I had done, ten, I've done, gone 10 years in a row without winning a major, without winning. <laughs> I've um, gone 10 years in a row without missing covering a major. And I think I've covered 74. Uh, this will be my 25th master. Yeah. So um, you do, you see all the sites and you, and you know kind of a lot of the same people, which, which always helps as well. And I guess too, Bob, you mentioned how the story may come to you. Are you in constant communication with your producer at TSN in Toronto being like, hey, like this may go on SportsCenter? I mean, what's that sort of back and forth like when you're there at the Masters? So for the Masters, uh, generally we have a producer on site, okay. one or two producers on site. And they'll run the ship. They'll say, okay, this is what we're going to try and do today. And usually we'll do it over dinner the night, bef the night before. We'll say, okay, tomorrow what do you guys want to do? And we'll kind of hash things out, put together a plan. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times in the evenings you're, you're doing a lot of research. And then in the morning you liaise with the people back in Toronto and you say, this is what we're thinking of. And they might generally, I'd say 85 to 90% of the time they say, okay, that's good. Just go with that. And they'll tell us how much time we have. Uh, your hit is going to be in sports center and it's going to be, a two and a half minute hit um, and, or whatever they tell us. And then, um, and then generally speaking, it's sort of a coordination between the two producers and then we'll have a, a team plan of who's going to do what, you know, what's, what's James going to do compared to what I'm going to do and what's Graham Dillette going to do to fill out that story and who's going to have that role. We'll tell the cameraman, okay, we need, we need B-roll of, uh, of Adam Hadwin putting mm -hmm. because we know there's a story about his putter or something like that. So they go out in the golf course and shoot that. Um, so there's a lot of coordination and then I think we've been around it enough now that you generally know um, you generally know what the story is going to be and what your duties are going to be so it's not like it's uh, it's brand new but it's always it's always a little bit different 
and you always have to kind of keep your head up and be ready to, to kind of pivot if something happens. I know there's going to be a lot of attention on Tiger, of course, given that he's the defending champion coming into this tournament. And I'm just curious, Bob, you know, it's been over a year since he won the Masters, and I know he's not playing his best coming into this this week. But when you look back a year later, just how special a moment that was. And could you imagine that moment happening with no patrons? Because I can't. I mean, I can't just imagine. It, it, it would not. I don't think it would have had the same, uh, you know, impact. <laughs> you know, it, it, because it, the patrons certainly made it special. Yeah, the, the moment uh, of, of winning, the the grandeur of the event, uh, you know, is, is built up by the patrons there. I just can't imagine him walking over. And he's admitted he has a hard time kind of getting pumped up for it. So <clears throat> without, the, without the patrons there. So it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, or it would have been very unusual to see that happening. And who knows if it might have been a different uh, outcome. Mm. We'll never know that. But it's very possible that something along those ways could have happened. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's it's one of those those things we'll never know the actual answer to, but we'll find out what it's going to be like this year. I mean, I, as you said, Tiger is not playing very well coming in here. I, I don't think he's going to uh, have much of a chance to compete unless something happens. I've covered Tiger all his career, and the one thing I have learned is never underestimate <laughs> what he's capable of. Uh, but I think there's just so many players playing really good right now that it's going to be awfully tough for him uh, using present form from what, for what we know as an example. Uh, to, to try and take on the likes of uh, Brooks and Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and Xander Shoffley and the rest of them. Yeah, and like I think, you know, in just going back to last year and, you know, as a viewer from home and to see CBS, you know, do the whole 1997 Tiger hugging his dad and then now 2019 Tiger hugging his kids, it was... Uh, was a full circle moment and i just think it was uh it, it truly what it must have been uh quite the atmosphere there for you guys at your uh, tsn set uh listening to those roars it was it was here's an interesting story to that whole thing so <laughs> uh you know there was bad weather coming in so they mm -hmm. moved the tea times up and and we were on our, our set and our set uh is outside it's on the sixth hole at the, at the par three cor course and we're not allowed to be out there if if the lightning detector goes off mm -hmm. so we knew that we were going to be right up against it so we just told tsn look we're going to start taping the moment that puck goes in the hole you can you know you can fill in the, the b-roll afterwards of tiger celebrating and pumping his arms up in the air which is something that probably wouldn't have happened if there weren't patrons there. yeah and we got about two-thirds of the way through maybe three quarters of the way through and the the the, the siren went off but we just kept out there and finished it and uh and managed to get in before the uh, or else we would have been there till I have no idea what time we would have been able to do that. It would have been we would have been scrambling. We might have had to do it inside at the house that we rent or something because <laughs> there was no no way we were going to be allowed back out on the on the property there. So uh, a very unusual moment and um, a very memorable moment of the whole thing for sure. All right, time for some rapid fire questions, Bob. I'm doing this with all my uh, all right. Masters guests this week. And that is first question. If uh, if you were to host the Masters Champions dinner, what would be on the menu and why? Uh, it would be pasta of some sort. I love pasta. Or nice. Pizza. I, I could eat pizza every single night of the week now. <laughs> I don't know if the, the guys there, the old champions, would like that or not, but it would be some sort of spaghetti bolognese or something like that for me. 
No, it's awesome. And and then what's your favorite masters food when you're when you're there at Augusta? I know they're famous for their uh for for their foods. Yeah, the uh the sandwiches on the golf course are, you know, like the the food is very inexpensive. You can yep. get beer and an egg cell sandwich and get uh for five dollars. Mm-hmm. So, but my favorite is the egg cell sandwich, and I will admit this. This is I think probably the first time Lucas I've ever admitted this publicly. <laughs> I will eat two or three of those a day. I just walk down on the golf course, walk through the concession stand, put my buck fifty down, and get my egg salad sandwich. I only once have tried the pimento cheese sandwich, and it was awful. So I'm never gonna have that again. Hey, I mean, breaking news on this podcast: you, you, you know, you're rising when when that happens with with some Bob Week scoops. And then you were mentioning about uh, the house that you live in, and, and doing some research in this uh, for this interview. I uh, I've heard that some famous guests may have uh, popped by. Did did Joe Carter? Did Joe Carter pop by the the house one uh, one Masters? So that was actually a different house on the stage. Rod Black was hosting, and um, he at that time was also doing Chicago Cubs baseball. And Joe Carter was the analyst. Okay. So they uh, they got to know each other, and then out of the blue, Joe and another fella just decided to show up and figured they had no idea what the Masters was kind of like. They thought they could just get a hotel. They don't realize that there's like three hotels in all of Augusta, and you probably <laughs> wouldn't want to stay in two of them. So people rent out their homes, and and most of the people in Augusta either go to Disney World with their kids for the week or stay at their in-laws or something. Anyway, I came down for coffee one morning and uh, it wasn't unusual to see a friend or somebody else on the couch in the living room, but I kind of looked over and I went, there's a guy sleeping on the couch. It's Joe Carter. What is Joe <laughs> Carter doing here? Anyway, I just made the coffee and went back up into my room for a nice. bit. And Joe is uh, Joe turned out to be a really nice guy and he baked us from scratch a pecan pie <laughs> for the house. So I don't know. I don't know too many... Uh, World Series champs who can uh, who can bake a pecan pie. I'd put, I'd, I'd say he's probably might be the only one. Is uh, that that's an awesome story, by the way. Is uh, is James Duffy doing the rubber boots pod live from Augusta this year, or is that TBD? Uh, yeah, TBD. I think he is. I think there will be. I mean, it's a, it's a tradition now. We've had our, <laughs> I think three in a row uh, with our star Puffy. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Generally speaking, we do it the night of the Tuesday night, which is the night of the champions dinner. And there's also uh, Golf Canada hosts a little party mm. for all the Canadians who are down there on Tuesday. Of course, that's not going to be happening this year. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen if the Rubber Boots podcast is going to happen, or maybe they'll do it on the bus on the way home. Who knows? Hey, I mean, the Masters is the tradition unlike any other. It sounds like uh, the Rubber Boots podcast at the Masters is, is the tradition unlike any other as well. That's right. That's right. Bob, uh, last question for you. And, and, you know, and this has obviously been, you know, such a challenging, you know, year in so many ways. But I know that Golf Canada recently released its economic report and and golf's been doing really well uh, in in this country. And and I'm just curious for you just, you know, the, the potential the growth has for the game going forward and as well as, potentially young journalists to try to cover the game as well because i just think that golf's a sport that yeah is growing there's a lot of potential there for people to create unique content yeah it's uh you know they came out with an golf canada came out with an economic report it's actually naga all the golf major golf associations mm. together that showed the golf you know golf is, is contributes about 18.2 billion that's where the b 
for the Canadian GDP, which is huge. And that was done 2019. So that doesn't include this year. And I know so many people who have played golf this year. It's one of the things we can do when it's, mm-hmm. it's safe to go outside. Uh, golf club equipment sales, used sales, all trying to get a tee time, you know, is almost impossible. Uh, it's been a, a boom year out of crazy circumstances. Personally, for me, because I haven't been traveling um, like I normally do about 150 nights a year, <laughs> I've played more golf than I've ever played in my life. And I've played a once, once a week round with my, my father, who's 88, mm. we played nine holes on Mondays, and then, um, and then have a, a beer and a, and a pizza. <laughs> there you go. A, after a round. And, uh, uh, and that to me has been one of the great sort of bright lights in what's been a dark time in terms of, of COVID. So that's been great. And, um, but I think if, if you're a, a journalist who wants to get into covering golf, you know, I, I would say, and I, I get asked that question a lot. Uh, I, I say two things. I say, first of all, I don't consider myself a golf journalist. I consider myself a journalist who covers golf. And the difference is I'd like to think that the, the, the skills that I have developed over the years, I could cover politics, I could cover entertainment, I could cover, um, uh, I don't know, business, whatever it is. And that, that's sort of what I look at first. So I sort of say that, and then I, I look at, at, at so it, it basically means don't limit yourself to just saying, oh, I want to be a golf journalist. You know, maybe that's where you'll end up. I never expected to end up as a golf journalist, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I, I, I got there, and there's not a lot of jobs. I'll be very honest. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people covering golf. You look at TSN, and you look at the people who are, who are covering hockey, uh, you know, Gino Retta, Darren Drager, Pierre Lebrun, Bob McKenzie, James Duffy, Jeff O'Neill, uh, you know, <laughs> Jamie McLennan, Mike Johnson, you know, and, and when it comes to golf, it's it's like me and, you know, Mark Sacchino is there and, and, and that's really it. So it's a pretty closed, tight, small shop generally because there's there's not as much to cover in terms of uh, how you do it. But that, that doesn't mean people shouldn't try to do it or want to do it or, or set their sights on it. I would never discourage someone to do it. I would just say be realistic about mm-hmm. what the opportunities are. Um, and and I, I, I've i been lucky enough and to, to do this for, as I said, 30-some-odd years, whatever it is. And so uh, I hope everybody gets the chance to follow my footsteps because it's been, it's been just a wild ride, and uh, it's not over yet. Bob Weeks is a senior reporter and golf analyst for TSN. Bob, enjoy the Masters, safe travels, and uh, enjoy the sandwiches at uh, Augusta National. And thanks so much for joining me today on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Thanks, Lucas. And as I said off the top, I'm a big fan. Congratulations on everything you've accomplished as well.